Broadcasting live from the R&R Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Yeah, it is. Um, and But, um, you know, the first year I was here, I think I was excited because it was um, the... Uh, you, know, you bring a group of kids in that you, you, and you're kind of nervous about it. We started out six and three that year, I think, or six and four. Um, and the kids played pretty well and we just didn't play well going down the stretch. And I was really excited heading into that season. Young guys played pretty well. It was fun to watch. Um, last year I was kind of had mixed emotions. I was very excited, but the, the lack of training camp. I'm not sure if people really understand it. And all 32 teams deal with it, right? So I'm not complaining. Please don't take it that way. But it's just a different developmental path for the young guys, right? So, you know, I think the, the most obvious example is our little nickel running around out there, Meek. And, you know, he's playing outside. He's playing inside. We didn't see any of the quickness, energy, disruption, and explosion last year that we're seeing this year. And it's really cool to see this year. It's cool to see the light go on. And a lot of that is not having any off-season program, being confused, playing slow. So last year, for me, was a little different. I was frustrated because I felt like in our system on both sides of the ball, it's tough on young guys. The volume is tough, especially on offense. It's tough. Um, so no off-season camp was brutal. COVID was Managing COVID was hard. It was a different kind of excitement. I don't. I don't think I explained it very well, but it's a, it was a this year back to kind of normal, and I'm fired up. And it's part of a being back to normal, but b more just the accumulation of three years. And at this point, uh, my dad used to say, "Don't worry about whether or not the horse is blind. Just load the friggin' truck," you know. And that's where we are. We, we've assembled 53 players. Um, we think we're going to be a pretty good football team. Uh, we're not hiding from expectations. I think John and I would both tell you that we feel like we need to be a playoff team this year, and I don't think there's any doubt about that. And you guys are all going to put that in your headlines, and, and I understand it. Um, but we're not – I mean, that's what the expectation is. We think we've done um, the infrastructure work necessary to put us in position, and we got to take care of business. Well, 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 well. That was Mike Gruden kind of saving the best for last. The takeaway of today. That was the Raiders general manager, Mike Mayock, speaking, talking to the media over at the practice facility in Henderson, kind of giving his assessment of where the Raiders are at the moment after setting their 53-man roster, and I still continue to use that uh, in quotation marks, um, the 53-man roster that you can check out uh, over at Raiders.com and everywhere else. This isn't going to be the 53-man roster that starts the season uh, against the Baltimore Ravens. Y'all understand that. We all get it. Uh, there's some moves that are still going to be made, IR moves, uh, some additions, maybe one or two from the uh, outside the building that I think are going to land uh, onto this roster. But the main takeaway, exactly what Mike Mayock said, and this was about 20 minutes into his talk with us today, he kind of got right down to the nuts and bolts, to the core of where the Raiders view themselves right now, how the Raiders view themselves, where they assess themselves. And he made no bones about it. I'm telling you, I was there. I was sitting in the front row 
I had a front row view of, of Mike Mayock today talking pretty confidently with a lot of conviction about, hey, man, we're not running away from what we believe the expectations should be, whether they're here in this building or elsewhere. It's the playoffs. The playoffs are the expectations for the Raiders this year. By the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, hoping to get our partner, Lincoln Kennedy, uh, on at some point today. Uh, he is, um, he's is he got some business that he's taking care of, but he's going to try to, uh, try to uh, jump on board at some point today. I want to get Lincoln's thoughts on what Mike Mayock said today. Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Wednesday. But the point being, Mike Mayock talking about the Raiders in the same sentence as the playoffs, as that's the expectation here for the Raiders. And, you know, I know, put it out on Twitter today. We were talking about it in social, on social media. I wrote about it. The story is going to post pretty soon over at the Las Vegas Review Journal, Vegas Nation. Um, you can download the app and check it out on Vegas Nation. You can also check it out. Just go uh, online at VegasNation.com. Uh, but, you know, some fans are like, well, shouldn't does, does, doesn't every team have that as the expectation isn't? Uh, doesn't every team believe that they can make the playoffs? No. And I'll ex- try to explain here. Every team plays to go try to win as many games, to keep their season going, to go to the playoffs, to win the whole thing. That's everybody's goal. You don't go out there on Sundays with the expectation of losing. You step on the field every Sunday with the expectation of winning, or at least trying to win. But if we're being honest about things, not everyone goes into a season with the realistic goal, and realistic being the key, of having a team that's capable of making the playoffs. Everybody's in a different journey or on a different timeline. For instance, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Rookie quarterback, new head coach in Urban Meyer. They had the first pick overall. Do the math. This is a rebuilding team, a rebuilding franchise. Now, do you think that, I mean, that doesn't mean that the Jacksonville Jaguars, Urban Meyer, uh, Trevor Lawrence, aren't approaching every Sunday and this season with every expectation to play as well as they possibly can and win as many football games as they possibly can. But I think realistically, they, they, what they really want to do what they realistically believe they can do is make up ground this year, put themselves on the right track this year, get Trevor Lawrence on track, get this program on track, trying to get this roster uh, to a point where you can start talking about the playoffs realistically. And so to answer the question of people who asked me about this on Twitter, no, not every team truly believes the playoffs are a legitimate, legitimate goal, number one. Number two, even fewer teams are willing to go out in public and talk about that as the realistic goal. Now, of course, you have, you know, uh, I go back, I cover the Lakers, I used to work for the Lakers, the Dodgers. Every year, those teams now especially, there was a period of time where the Lakers, I guarantee you, understood, you know, in that, Toward the end of Kobe's uh, time, and um, you know, with the with the organization, and then those couple of years after that, they understood there's no way we're competing for championships or the playoffs with this roster, with a bunch of young guys um, and a bunch of guys that were just kind of trying to get by this year, get another lottery pick, 
try to bring somebody in next year in free agency and set themselves up better uh, in, in that regard. But going into seasons, there were a couple of years there where the Lakers did not believe that they were truly competing for championships or playoffs for that matter. But typically, the Lakers always go into a year not just thinking about playoffs, but the championships. It's championships or bust. That's the way it is right now. That's the way it is for the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, the New England Patriots, maybe not so much now, uh, but you know, the last decade or so. Every single season, it was talking about the Super Bowl. They were about it. They believed it. And that was what the... Uh, legitimate goal was and the realistic expectations were. But not everybody, there's a whole bunch of other teams that we didn't mention. The Milwaukee Brewers don't always go into every year. The Cincinnati Reds don't go into every year thinking that they're going to make the playoffs. A lot of teams are in the process of trying to build rosters that will put themselves in position uh, to make the playoffs. And you, you're realistic about that. That's kind of why sometimes you don't go out and make the big trade at the trade deadline, right? Sometimes you're selling parts off to try to get more assets to help you speed up the process of becoming a playoff caliber team. So there's teams that are all over the map when it comes to where they truly are and what their expectations really are. And you don't have to go much further than right here in Las Vegas. Because if we're being honest, going into Mike Mayock's second, first season in 2019, John Gruden's second year, they, weren't, they were hoping to make the playoffs, but they understood that that roster needed a ton of work. That's why Mike Mayock was hired to begin with. The roster needed help. John Gruden needed somebody that he respected and could work with and had the same type of vision um, and understanding that, look, this might take a little while, but if we can, if we start off doing it the right way, we'll be better off, and it'll probably take quicker, <laughs> sooner uh, to to get us where we kind of where we want to be. All right, so 2019, mm, no, I don't think that. Obviously, I'm I'm just gonna flat out say the playoffs were not part of the equation with the Raiders in 2019. You hoped, of course, they hoped without doubt. But realistically, they knew this roster needed a lot of work. Going into last year, how many times have I told you guys that even when they were at their highest point last year, what was it, 6-2, and two, I think, was the high point, maybe 6-3, and three, somewhere around there, when, when people on the outside were like, I'm, I'm buying in on the Raiders. Even at that point, and I know because I talked to people, there was always a hesitancy of, eh, Still got a lot of work to do. Still got to improve that pass rush. Still got to figure out a way to get guys in here that are going to create more turnovers. Still need help defensively. There was a self-awareness, and I said it at the time, and we continued to stress that during the offseason, that there were the Raiders were under no delusions, whether you're talking about the top, the bottom, the you know, uh, trust me when I say, they understood we're not there yet. There's still work that needs to be done. And that was when they were 6-2. and two. Yeah, they wanted to finish the season strong, and they almost did. They came pretty darn close in spite of a bad defense. They came pretty close uh, to still making the playoffs in spite of their flaws, but they didn't. And even had they done that, had they figured out a way to get to the playoffs and win a couple of those games that they lost late in the game, that didn't change the fact 
that they knew that there were major flaws that needed to be addressed coming into this offseason. Well, here we are now, after a full offseason, after all of the OTAs, after training camp, now the 53-man roster has been set. And I can say this honestly, now that tone has changed. I don't hear as much as, wow, I've got a lot of work to do. Oh, got a lot of young players that we're you know, relying on. And without an offseason, that's going to get a little dicey because that, that was what was being said last year, right around this time. There was a lot of uncertainty because there were so many young players and there wasn't enough of an offseason, no, no offseason really. It was a very condensed training camp. A bunch of rookies, a bunch of newcomers, a bunch of guys that were moving into uh, their, their second seasons, guys like Cleve Farrell and Josh Jacobs and all those guys. They, the sense that I got internally when complete frankness, not out in front of the cameras, sort of behind the scenes, got some work to do. That's why what Mike Mayock said today, how he said it, what he talked about, how he, um, the, the terms, the adjectives, the, what, the playoffs, the P word with the Raiders, that's what makes that so significant. It marks a change of where the Raiders are internally in their own building about what the expectations are, so much so that they're willing to talk about it and put that expectation out there and challenge themselves to honor it, to meet it, not run away from it, not hide from it, not to pretend like it's not out there or don't want to jinx this or don't want to you know uh, speak too loudly about the playoffs, don't want to go there yet. No, anything but. Yes, that's what we talk about. We talk about the playoffs because we believe that we are a playoff team. That's the expectation. It's pretty interesting when you think about it. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. John is on the line. How are you doing, John? I'm doing good, Vince. How are you? How about yourself? I'm doing really well. Thank you. All right, all right. Um, so my question is just regarding you know the, the absence of Cleveland Farrell. I just wanted to know if it was more of a – you know, a precautionary measure if it's a nagging injury, or have you seen some signs that, you know, Raider Nation's going crazy and there's a lot of, uh, uh, I, I would say, uh, hyperbolic people on uh, on our pages that you know don't know what they're talking about half the time. Oh, he's getting traded, this or that. Have you seen <laughs> any any uh, <laughs> Have you seen any uh, uh, you know things to be concerned about about him with the team, or is it just more of a uh, a measure to? you know, keep him out so he's not going to aggravate a, a small injury, or do you know? Yeah, um, he was hurt, and he missed all of last week, uh, practice all of last week. Um, he did dress out for the game on Sunday. He was going to be – he was there on the sideline, didn't play, and the only way he was going to play was if, you know, out of an emergency situation where you lost all your defensive linemen and you got to put 99 in there. So, um, and that, so today it was just kind of a continuation of – uh, whatever that injury is, and we're going to find out sooner or sooner rather than later on what he's dealing with. I have seen him around the building; he looks, you know, fine, uh, but that doesn't mean he's ready to play. Uh, number one, number two, as far as the trade, and I asked Mike Mayock about uh, Cleve Farrell and um, you know his role. Obviously, he's now part of the second unit. Um, let's be honest; that means he's been demoted in a way, right? Um, he was a starter in the last couple of years. He's now on the second team, but as I've 
tried to point out, and I continue to believe this to be the case, and we've now talked to John Gruden about it. We've talked to uh, Gus Bradley about it. We've talked to Mike Mayock about it. I want to say we even talked to Rod Marinelli about it. Listen, the Raiders have a plan at defensive line, okay? And it involves eight to nine players. They want to come at opposing offenses, opposing offensive lines, opposing quarterbacks in waves. And how do you do that? You have a first unit of four players. Then you have a second player or excuse me, a second line of another four players. And once Gerald McCoy, you know, gets really up to speed, he's going to be part of that mix as well. So that's what the plan is. The plan is to attack with waves player after player in order to remember, we've talked about this. What did even Cleve Farrell talked about this guys were burnt out by the end of games, by the end of the seasons because they were being asked to play too much. And the guys that were brought in in reserve just weren't, you know, for the most part, weren't good enough. They were giving the Raiders empty snaps, and that meant having to push the starters even more. Max Crosby played way too many snaps last year. Clee Farrell, had he stayed healthy, would have played way too many snaps last year as well. So what they want to do is build an eight to nine player rotation and it's everything that we've seen in practice. And I'm sure this is going to change in the games when matchups become a factor. Um, when you, when, when starters are playing and you start getting into that fourth quarter and you're trying to find the right mix. But from what we've seen so far in practice, going all the way back to OTAs and especially in that mini camp when Anik and Gakwe uh, showed up and was part of the picture, what you saw was, a four-man unit of Unique Ngakwe and Max Crosby as the defensive ends, Quinton Jefferson and Jonathan Hankins as the two defensive tackles. Then right behind them, you had Carl Nassib and Clee Farrell as the defensive ends, Solomon Thomas, Darius Phylon, and you might as well throw in Gerald McCoy uh, in the mix as well for the two defensive tackles. That's going to be the two rotations that the Raiders have this year. And when you think about it, it's not a bad plan, right? You go back to when the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl and how they came at waves at eight, nine guys on the defensive line. The San Francisco 49ers got to a Super Bowl kind of doing the same thing. They had a bunch of good young defensive linemen, some guys that were just flat out studs, but a whole bunch of good ones. And they just kept attacking and attacking and attacking and trying to break the offensive line, trying to break that quarterback. So, no, I think Clee Farrell is a big part of this. I'd be, you know, look, anybody can make an offer that the Raiders can't refuse. And, you know, that changes the whole thing. But short of that, I just think Clee Farrell is going to have a role on this team and a big role. And it's going to be something that you're going to see when the games really start. You're going to see how this thing works. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Wednesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. So I've been here three years now, and it's kind of been fun for me to watch the evolution of both the draft picks and, and the college free, ag- free agents and, you know, what you're trying to do in the, uh, with free agency. 
Um, I think from a draft pick perspective, it's kind of been fun, again, for year three for me to kind of look back at 19 and see who's become leaders on this team. You know, and see some of the goals guys, like even on the third day of the 2019 draft, guys like Max Crosby, um, Foster Moreau, Hunter Renfro, all three of them are leaders now, uh, along with Clee, along with uh, Josh. Um, John's been really good. Trayvon's had his most. So that, that class is, is kind of growing up, and for me that's fun. See them year three. They're, they're growing into men now. Um, last year's group t- took a little bit of a step up, I think, this year in camp with, uh, you know, two first round picks. Uh, Ruggs came in, uh, a little bit different guy. Um, you can feel his speed more than last year. Arnett, I've liked the way he's approached this camp, and I think Casey Hayward's been a really steadying influence on him. Uh, Brian Edwards, everybody's excited about. John Simpson's playing his tail off, and I think one of the cool stories of this camp is Amik. Amik looks like the guy we saw back two years ago in college, both inside and outside. Um, and then this year's group, um, Jimmy Morrissey goes to practice squad, but everybody else is on the team, and there's been some pretty good stories there from top to bottom. So um, that's a long way to say that uh, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. It's kind of cool to see some of these guys uh, grow up. Uh, it was fun watching this year's draft picks. I think they kind of are who we hoped they would be, but – we're still in the preseason, so we'll have to see. That's Mike Mayock, the Raiders general manager, speaking today over at the practice facility in Henderson. And uh, there, by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Wednesday. Um, you know, Mike Mayock expressing kind of, you know, like when you're when you're around a team, all the time like we have been now going all the way back really to the spring and you start picking up on things you start noticing things you're starting you're observing you know it's what we do as the media uh, as a reporter as somebody that's been doing this a long time and i i i kind of spotted it in otas and talking just seeing that 2019 group that really started to emerge um, and, and kind of blossom and grow wings. And, and it, it, was, it was fascinating to see, you know. Uh, and and I, knew, I know some of those guys, and, and, you know, going back a couple of years ago, uh, how they stayed in contact after their first meeting together, this 2019 group, and got on a group chat, right, text chat. And we're always challenging each other, always pushing each other, always pledging to each other. Um, we're going to be the team. We're going to be the group that gets this thing turned around. And you're starting to see that come to fruition. All right. Lincoln is here. Lincoln Kennedy. Vinny, what's up, buddy? How are you, my How man? How are you guys doing today? Everything's well, man. I'm up in uh, Ogden, Utah. Just came away from visiting the coaches, staff of the Weber State uh, Wildcats, and uh, we'll be we got a big football game against Utah tomorrow night. So we're up here doing our due diligence and getting ready for get some college football. Awesome! And where can fans watch this game and watch the great listen to the great Lincoln Kennedy break it all down? Well, Roxy Bernstein and I will be calling them for the Pac-12 Network, and so there's various venues that you can do. There's there's Fubu or Fubo, I should say, and there's other ones that you can get the the Pac-12 Network, but just. 
Yeah, Research Pack 12 Network. You guys can catch us giving the game tomorrow night. Awesome, awesome. Uh, looking forward to that. All right. Uh, Lincoln, Mike Mayock spoke today. Uh, the Raiders set their 53-man roster. It's still an evolving document. It's going to look a little bit different here in the next couple of days. When certain players start going on to the IR and they bring in some reinforcements uh, in, in certain areas. But uh, I'm not sure how much you heard about what Mike Mayock talked about today. But he basically put it out there uh, that the expectation is for the Raiders to make the playoffs. Um, and, you know, and it, was, it, it, it caused a little bit of a stir. He completely understood. Like, I know that that's going to be the, tomorrow's headline. I'm okay with that. You know, run with it. Go for it. That's what we believe uh, is essentially what he was saying. The playoffs are the objective. The playoffs are the goal. And I got to ask you this, Lincoln, because uh, some people on Twitter were hitting me up. Well, don't all teams believe that? Don't all teams believe going into a season that they're that they should be competing for the playoffs? And I said, no, not really. I mean, yes, you want to win every game. Yes, you want to play to win every game. Yes, you want to make the playoffs. Yes, the goal is to win the Super Bowl. But Lincoln. I, I would contend that even you were on some teams at some point or another where you, you kind of knew that we're not there yet. We're working toward getting there and being honest about it. Maybe you didn't say it out loud, but within your own psyche and your own head, you probably didn't truly believe that you were a playoff team. Well, I mean, no coach I've ever played for has ever said, you know what, we're not going to win many games this year. Right. So let's just try to get through it. You know what I mean? And. And you wouldn't have a general manager say the same thing. I, I think that I think there are people in Raider Nation who want to shoot for something higher than just saying we need to make the playoffs where we think we're a playoff caliber team. I'm a I, you know I, I'm a person who calls it like I said. I think the Raiders are a playoff caliber team. Now now when you consider the difference between that and the championship caliber team, I think it would be foolish if you or I or even Mayock went out and said, "Oh, this is a championship caliber team," with so many things unproven. You see what I'm saying? So it just it's it's a waste of effort. It's a waste of breath, if you ask me, if you try to push that goal out there. Now, certainly you would take it. Once you get in the playoffs, anything could happen. But you gotta get there first. Right. You can't and- have five hundred seasons and expect to, you know, expect that well that's gonna satisfy our, our fan base or that's gonna make our ownership feel better that we're just having five hundred you know, five hundred seasons uh, time and time again. And here's the thing, I've been doing this a couple of years now with this team, and that's the first time I've heard Maybe the second, I think John Gruden might have talked about it earlier this year, but they weren't talking. Nobody, the playoffs as an, a realistic goal was not coming out of Mike Mayock's mouth or John Gruden's mouth in 2019 or even really well, last year. So what I'm saying is, no, not every team actually believes that, especially willing to go out there and say it and set that as the expectation and say, look, that's what we're going for, and we're not running from that. That's exactly what he said. We're not going to hide from that. This is a different tone that he's taken, and I think it's a sign that this thing is moving in the right direction, at least in their mind. Well, I would say this. With all the work that they've done as a staff, to go out and get Gus Bradley, to go out and get the players they think are going to support Gus Bradley's system, and all the emphasis that they put on defense, especially in the draft, it, it's it's right in line with what I would expect to come out of Mayock's mouth. Yep. I mean, let's face it. You know, this offense was capable of scoring a lot of points. It's hard to score more than 28 points uh, a game. It's hard to score that many. And this offense had a pretty good outing, especially in the first part of the season, where they were doing that. And you and I talked on our shows last year when I was saying this offense needs to score at least 30 points a game in order to be competitive. You see what I'm saying? So for me, it's one of those things where 
you know, Mike Mayock said all the right stuff, um, and, and now we've got to see how they put it all together. There's a lot of pressure on this Raider team for a number of reasons, and I think you and I know this. You know, when you talk about the pieces they have in place, what are they going to do with Derek Carr? Where you know this young talent? They got to show their draft choices are going to pay off in a wide receiver bracket. They got to show their draft choices are going to pay off in defense. What is what? What's to become of Cleveland Farrell, especially when you have that packed defensive tackle room or defensive end room? You know, you know what I mean. So there are a lot of intangibles that you have to you have to talk about, and it's anyone's guess if, if you're going to be able to um, if, if it's going to come if it's going to make it happen because they still had, we didn't see enough of preseason to, to generate enough excitement or understanding of what we're going to look at uh, on Monday night when they play the Ravens. Right, exactly. And uh, But it, t- it takes me to this question. You brought it up last year. You said it many times, and you were 1,000% right. For this team to have any chance to make the playoffs, the offense has to score, or not even that, just win every game, or you know, win a game. Whatever game they go into, you were saying they got to score 30 points, 30 or more points, to give themselves a legitimate chance to win this game and the next one and the one after that and after that. All right? So you said that, and you were absolutely right. I got to ask you now, and I know we haven't seen this thing full throttle out on the field. Do you still believe that, or do you feel like this defense has improved uh, you know, uh, enough to, to, for you to take that down a little bit where they don't have to, where you're not predicting uh, or saying that they have to score 30 points or more to win the game? I have to hold on to what I've said in years past when I've actually seen the team execute. We didn't see their full offense out there in the football field in preseason. We didn't see the full defense. I don't know what product we have. I know that John Gruden runs a possession-style offense where he wants to eat up as much clock, march down the field, and get touchdowns. I think they have the ability to do that. I like what they did on offensive line. I like what, they, what we have as, as far as weapons. I think Derek Carr is a capable enough quarterback that can do that. Okay, but there are so many intangibles that are unknown right now on the defensive side. If the defense is able to get stops, because let's face it, the 49ers took, and I know it was starters versus backups, but the 49ers went down 10 plays, 68 yards, 70 yards in the first series and put a touchdown on the board. Yeah. So what, what are we, what are we to gauge off of here, Vinny? If we're, if we're going to be true analysts and talk about the potential of this team, what do we have to gauge off of? All we can do is what we saw last year, okay? And this is a 500 team last year. You get an extra football game, and you still have guys that haven't you haven't seen in preseason. So we, I don't know where this team is at. On all, I'm only hoping. That's all I can do is hope and project what I've seen in years past. Right, exactly. And not seeing them out on, uh, you know, the, the starters. Uh, out on yeah. the field in a, in a game, it, it, that's why even my, even Mike Mack said when when he was asked about the defensive line, I'll have a better answer in a couple of weeks, in a few weeks. You know, got to see that defensive line against the Baltimore Ravens. Got to see that defensive line, uh, you know, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think it's better, Lincoln. Um, you know, when you start thinking, when you start bringing up names like Unique Ngagwe and Gerald McCoy and Quentin Jefferson and Solomon Thomas and Darius Phylon and, you know, on top of Clee Farrell and Max Crosby and, and Carl Nassib, the guys that they've put together here, there's no question in my mind it's potentially better. It almost has to be better. But the na- And, and i got to ask you this. You saw Gerald McCoy on, on Sunday, and I know he was going against, you know, some backups uh, l- later on in the game. But based on what you saw on Sunday, do you feel like he's got something left in the gas tank? I think there's absolutely some gas left in that tank. Well, without a doubt, because Gerald McCoy did not play all of last year. 
You see what I'm saying? And this is a, a, a six-time Pro Bowler, a guy who is number one, number three in the draft, who has a high high expectation level, not only for himself, but people who followed and played with him expect the same thing out of him, that he wants to prove that he's still capable of doing it. He took less money, he took minimum money, basically to come back and show that he could play because he feels he has something left in the tank. I, I definitely think he's, he's going to be a great addition. But at the same point, now it's talking about the consistency and the cohesiveness of all these guys playing together, which we haven't seen. I mean, Gerald, Gerald McCoy looked like a terror playing against 49ers offensive linemen who aren't going to be in the league or they're going to be a, de- a developmental squad. He's supposed to do that. Yeah, but early on, on it was early on it was actually against their their starters. They had their starters out there a little bit as well. So yeah, yeah. Well, my thing is that they, they still they still you know, Vinny, what we seen played this defense last year in the last couple of years was their ability to stop perimeter runs. Yep. Or their ability to contain perimeter runs, I should say, and more importantly, their ability to stop mobile quarterbacks. And 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 what San Francisco did is San Francisco showed a variation, especially with Trey Lance in there, of what I refer to as the triple option. You've got the jet sweep, and you've got the read option, and you've got the quarterback option. So that's a triple option, which requires your defense to play deep, the discipline style defense, and it requires them to play together. I'm not saying they're going to be facing a lot of teams that are doing that, but you know what? Lamar Jackson is not one of those guys who's going to sit back there like Tom Brady in the pocket and try to pass all the time. So you got to be ready for something like that. And if you cannot contain the running, you cannot contain that running quarterback, or you don't have an answer for that running quarterback, then it's going to be a very long day in week one. Yeah, it was funny because we talked to Gerald McCoy about that. And, you know, they they didn't practice against, you know, what the 49ers were going to do. They And, and right. the, the, the Niners were definitely dialing up some some plays, um, you know, a little bit surprising uh, to, to the Raiders. But we were talking to McCoy about that, and he's like, that's going to help us. And and he and he and he said, you know, try, trying to talk to some of these young guys, it's just it's just basic football though, like reading your keys and not getting caught up because because he said most of this is just smoke and mirrors, trying to get you looking someplace else when the the answer is right in front of you, uh, so much of the time. So it's just kind of settling down. But to add to that point, yeah, but to just add a little bit more to that point, Benny, that is very true from a veteran who's seen a lot of football right. games. Right. And played a lot of football games. And we've got guys who played some games but have been, you know, the defense has not been what it's what it needed to be since like guys like Cleveland Furrow, Max Crosby or those guys got there, or Tanner Muse or all these guys, these young guys. These guys have still got a lot of growing to do. They haven't seen that yet. But these are vital parts of your defense that are going to be exposed if they don't take the lessons that veterans like Daryl McCoy or other guys try to teach them along the way. Because you know, you gotta learn as you go. Yeah, with the, no, just like you can't make the club in the tub. No, uh, no doubt about it, and that's where guys like Quinton uh, Jefferson and and yep. Solomon Thomas Solomon and Thomas. all of those guys, you know, you hope or you think anyway are gonna 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 play a major role. And you know, we didn't get a chance to see those guys really at all. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they respond to, like you said, Lamar Jackson's coming to town, and he will make you look silly if you're not ready to go. Lincoln, thanks so much. Be safe in you. Oh, what's is Lincoln? He's coming back. He's coming oh, back. Okay. We're just going right. to commercial break. All right. One more, uh, one more second. Sounds good. Lincoln, we'll be right back with you. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on the f- streets of Utah right now. Uh, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Wednesday. No one gets you closer to the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. I, th- I think the thinking behind all of it, and I'm not necessarily about Clee is that what Rod wants to get to 
um, is a fluid wave. Away and that, you know, you look at pick a team, Philadelphia, a couple of years ago when they won the Super Bowl. I mean, they had a wave, they had eight guys that just rolled, and that's what Rod's trying to do. Mike, oops, that is Mike Mayock, uh, talking about what the Raiders are trying to do along the defensive line. We saw it way back in OTAs, it continued on, uh, during training camp. Uh, the Raiders are literally going with it's almost like a hockey line, you've got a four-man um, starting group along the defensive line, and then right behind them are four totally different guys. And now you might as well th- throw uh, Gerald McCoy in there because he figures into that mix. So I fully expect, Lincoln, the Raiders to throw a nine-player rotational wave at teams game in and game out. Well, you know, it's a good point, Benny, that you make because – I think you go back to the Philadelphia Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. They had sort of an eight, seven, definitely seven, but most most times an eight-man defensive line rotation that they went through to, to keep, you know, offensive linemen don't substitute out as often as defensive linemen, but offensive linemen aren't asked to run to the ball as much as defensive linemen are. So there are times where you can get, you can get a, 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 a jump on a guy, especially the second half as the offensive linemen start to get worn down. If you're able to keep your guys just a little bit fresher, there can be a little bit of an advantage for your defensive front to be able to generate pressure. And then keep in mind, you know, with Gus Bradley's defense, he's banking on those front four to generate pressure. And the places that he's been and he's had success with it, you know, there's, there's no Bosa on, on this roster here. So, you know, you don't have, in a Melvin Ingram, you don't have those guys that can come off the edge, but you're hoping to create it by having such, you know, talent as in Way or, or even Max Crosby or Cleveland Furl when he's out there to try to create that uh, to give yourself that advantage where you don't have to bring a lot of blitzes. But that's the big thing. You don't want to bring a lot of blitzes, but the secondary being and as inexperienced, as, as, especially as consistency and experience of playing together as these guys are going to be. Lincoln, when you don't have uh, the bosses of the world, uh, coming off the end uh, and the edge, and I, I think Ngakwe is a is a tick below that um, as a pass rusher. I think he's really good, and I'm I'm really fascinated to see him out there full go uh, after a full training camp with the Raiders and a full off season with the Raiders. But you know, like you said, there's no real Bosa or a guy like that. That said, um, there is a rotation uh, that that we've talked about. But how important is it in that situation to be able to generate pressure from the inside? Well, it's extremely important because what you have with a lot of guys that a lot of quarterbacks that play out of the gun, they'll take the snap, they'll take two steps backwards, and then they'll call what we call push the pocket, where they know the outside rush is going to be aiming for their upfield shoulder. So they're going to push the pocket to come up underneath the tackles for blocking the defensive ends. That puts the illness on your center and your two guards to maintain the integrity of the pocket. The cup protection, the classic knowledge of cup protection, is tackles control the width of the pocket and guards and centers control the depth of the pocket. So when you hear guys use terms as push a quarterback or make him uncomfortable, that's where you need your interior push, your defensive tackles, your nose guards, to create a little bit of a belly in there to make quarterbacks feel that they, that they don't see a clear lane or that they've got to move right now, and that's how you can get sacks. Lincoln Kennedy giving us a lesson in geometry right now. Uh, I like it. I like it. Um, Lincoln, all right, speaking of offensive lines, um, you know, the Raiders, for the time being anyway, and I think this might change, but for the time being, 
Brandon Parker is the swing tackle. Uh, I talked to, I asked Mike Mack about that. He did bring up, well, you know, Denzel Good still has, you know, some tackle capability. Um, right. You know, but for the time we being. We talked about that. You mentioned that. We mentioned that yep, as well ex- last week in the show, yeah. Right, exactly. So, uh, you know, I think that he definitely, Brandon or uh, Denzel, you know, creates a little bit of, a little bit more confidence. And you could always put John Simpson uh, at guard and, and, and roll that way if you need to put Denzel, you know, at one of the tackle spots. But how much more confident would you be um, if, if they did go out and, and, and get somebody else uh, to help out at tackle? And I bring that up to say I'll also say this. You know, I know that a lot of people ragged uh, Sam Young a little bit. You know, he wasn't the greatest uh, by, by any stretch of the imagination. But he provided some sense of reliability as one of those tackles. He got put um, – he, he probably got overexposed a little bit last year. He wasn't supposed to play that much. But in spot duty, I think he was somebody that the Raiders had come to rely on. And I think his retirement kind of came out of nowhere a little bit, surprised them a little bit. And I, I still think they're trying to find a guy like that that they can depend on a little bit more than maybe who they have on the roster. Brandon Parker has all the intangibles to me to be a good tackle. It's just he lacks consistency. Now, I will tell you this. You know, Sam Young, I appreciate his effort. He's, I'm sure he's a good guy. I don't know him personally, but... Sam Young couldn't stop a bull rush last year. Yeah, that's he true. He didn't have the knees. He couldn't, and, and so when you had guys that were out in ends that weren't trying to run around you or running through you, he gave up pressure. He gave up, you know, he gave up sacks. He gave up, you know, uh, the, the, uh, sacks with fumbles and stuff like that. So that's, I, I'm, I'm actually glad for him that he was able to retire and go out on a note where people aren't necessarily thinking of him in a bad light as much as I saw him last year. Brad Parker has all the intangibles. He's just a lack of consistency. I'm okay because there are other there are other pieces that are essential to be okay with Brandon Parker. I, I, I trust Colton Miller will be, believe that he's that type of pro right now where he will be there. Um, you know, like a Whitworth who was with the Rams and forever, you know, those the guys like that, the tackles like that, you know what I'm talking about, Vinny? Yo, yeah. Um, Rob Havenstein yeah, and, uh, and and exactly. and and yeah, guys that were just they yeah. they 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 play, <laughs> they play every. They were single... out there. They were out there. And, and I had the utmost confidence that Alex Leatherwood will develop into that as well. In the interim, if something were to happen, I'm okay with Brandon Parker. Now he's not going to be my starter if I don't have to, but I'm okay for him servicing either side. He'd be a nice little swing tackle, and let's face it, he's probably inexpensive. So yeah, there's the business side of it there. So. I'm not. I'm not up in the air as the number over the number overall numbers of of uh, as far as tackle. What I'm mostly concerned about is the durability of Richie Incognito at the left guard. Now, if he goes down and John Simpson is John Simpson ready? Now, you told me that he was in the weight room all off season, yep. and and what I've seen in spurts of him, he looks to be a lot better. But you know, I I I, I thought the world of this preseason of uh, Lester Cotton Jr. What he was able to do, and John Simpson did some good things. So. Those are more of the number of games that I'm playing on the interior rather than the exterior. Right, and Lester Cotton is back in the building. He was signed to the practice squad, so um, you know he's still around. And uh, you know, you bring up a good point as well. Um, you don't want to jinx it at this point, but Colton Miller, I think, is going to be, you know, has shown a durability uh, tendency that that you just have to count on right now if you're the yeah. Raiders. And Alex Leatherwood, going all the way back to you know high school and college. This guy lines up to play every single yeah. uh, snap. So, 
both of those guys can make the whole conversation a moot point um, because you'll never have to need a Brandon Parker or anybody else for that matter if those guys you know play post to post. So you know we'll we'll, we'll see uh, a, a, about that. Um, Lincoln, you look on the other side of the football, and I think that linebacker is still a little bit of a concern. Denzel uh, Perryman uh, started his Raider career today. He was out at practice today. Um, we, we still don't know the extent of Nicholas Morrow's injury, um, but it looks like it's probably going to be somewhat of a prolonged uh, situation to get him back. Do you feel confident that, assuming Denzel Perryman can stay healthy, that the combination of him, Corey Littleton, and Nick Kwiatkowski can hold things down until you get Nicholas Morrow back? And then if you get Nicholas Morrow back, how do you feel about a linebacker, uh, you know, a four-man linebacker crew of Morrow, Littleton, Kwiatkowski, and Perryman? We've had high expectations since we saw Nicholas Morrow sort of develop, potentially where he could be a linebacker. It's been injuries and inconsistencies that have plagued him, and so we're still wishfully thinking that he can be that guy. We're still waiting to see what, what Corey Littleton's going to be able to do in this defense. Denzel Perryman comes in now. He's been often injured in his seven-year career. Yes, he has. So that, that's an, is a little bit of a concern to me, okay? He comes off of a hip injury when he, got, when he got picked up by Carolina, had a little bit of a foot deal. So that's a little bit of a concern for me. But because the room is so thin right now, the linebacker room is so thin, I'm hoping that we can find a way to further develop, develop guys like Tanner Muse. I, I'm getting more out of Nick Orkowski rather than throwing the, the yellow dot on his helmet and making him the leader, allow him to do what he does best in Rome without thinking so much. So I'd like to have, I think Perryman kind of replaces that because he's familiar with this defense. Right now, you're just trying to put a Band-Aid over a gaping wound, which is lack of linebacker depth in the defensive room. All right, Lincoln. this system, and you can do it. Yep, uh, absolutely. And uh, we'll talk more about this uh, in the uh, days leading up to uh, next week's game. I can't believe it. Not next week, but uh, Monday the 13th, September 13th. is right around the corner. Can't wait. Uh, Lincoln, be safe uh, in Utah. Enjoy the game on Saturday. I'll be tuning in on the Pac-12 network. Um, Thanks so much, and uh, we will talk to you down the road, my friend. Appreciate it, guys. We got one on Thursday tomorrow. Weaver versus Utah, and then we got Oregon and Fresno State on Saturday. Exactly. All right. Thank you for clearing that up. Uh, That's Lincoln Kennedy uh, doing his work uh, for the Pac-12 Network. Uh, Can't wait to hear uh, his great work. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila and Bajado Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty a.m.